Welcome to the Making Leader Moves podcast, the show that brings together powerhouse Latinas to discuss the challenges our comunidades are facing and the moves they took to prioritize joy in their careers. My name is Colette Viñero, your co-host, and I'm here with your other host, Giovanna Rosales. Hola a todos. Hi. We have a great show today. You know, we love bringing guests that are ready to have difficult conversations and call folks out when needed, including us. Exactly. Today's topic is, is diversity hiring really helping companies see the root of the problem? Snap, snap. Good question. Good question. Yes. But before we bring out our guest and our amiga, let's define what diversity, equity, and inclusion is. So we're all on the same page. And it's not what your white executive leader sent on an email. So let's <laughs> let's do some <laughs> let's let's define first very quickly. Hey Boris, Boris, you know, loves coming into the show. Hey He's doggy. a spotlight. He's a spotlight. Yeah. We should do the logo with Boris. So first of all, diversity. Diversity is any dimension that can be used to differentiate groups of people from one another. Very basic. Um, so there's a lot of ways that we can talk about diversity. I want to make sure that we're very clear on that. The second, let's define equity. Equity is the removal of obstacles that prevent individuals from achieving their greatest potential. Woo. Equity, I'm, I'm going to say it again, is the removal of obstacles that prevent individuals from achieving their greatest potential. It's not a book club. <laughs> a book club. And inclusion is seeking out and valuing the diversity of others. So it's not that you have a black friend. Right. It's not that you posted something on Hispanic Heritage Month. Inclusion is seeking out, seeking, there's an action and valuing the diversity of others. So now mm -hmm. that we're very clear around what diversity, equity, and inclusion is okay Yolanda who's gonna help us dissect this topic today I'm so excited for today because she is a badass today we are joined by Isabel Garcia a first generation Dominican immigrant who identifies as a psychiatric system survivor and experiences suicidal thoughts since childhood by telling her story through public speaking engagements social media and leadership roles She inspires others to be vulnerable and break the sanism around suicide and mental health. Isabel earned a bachelor's in child psychology and a master's in public health. She is an organizer, a leader in suicide prevention work, a former crisis counselor, and is now a diversity and inclusion in addition to a social justice consultant. Ooh. I mean, can we just clap it up for her? Mm-hmm. Welcome to Making Neither Moves. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, super excited. So tell us a bit about who you are and what you do as a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant and a social justice consultant. Ooh, big words. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, As Giovanna was saying, I, um, you know, do a lot of public, uh, you know, speaking engagements and things like that, but specifically 
I do a lot of suicide prevention training workshops, uh, circle practice presentations, and basically I talk about suicide prevention as a social justice issue. I talk about mental yes. health as a social justice issue. And that is my main message. Anything that I do, like here in this podcast, anything that I do, I talk about things from that systemic perspective that is often missing from literally anything, including DEI work, which makes no sense because it's supposed to, we were talking about equity, right? We're supposed to be talking Mm -hmm. about systemic oppression and things like that. But yes, so that is basically my work. I do also outreach. I do a lot of tabling. So I like to go to communities and talk to people about literally suicide. And mm-hmm. one of my goals is to provide the this equity focus in terms of language, linguistic access. So I make sure that everything uh, I do in terms of materials and education is bilingual. And so, yeah, I could keep talking forever, but basically I use my experience as someone who has thoughts of suicide. I still do. Um, And someone who has experienced depression and anxiety since forever. I use those experiences, what I learned about the system, the good, the bad, and the ugly to help other people. Uh, It's about breaking taboos and myths and just being vulnerable and brave. Yeah. So thank you for having me once again. Yes, yes. I mean, we're really excited about this episode because I think this is one of the episodes we're going to get the most vulnerable. I think suicide isn't really talked about like that, especially in DEI work. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, So Isabel, what brought you into this line of work? What made you get here? Oof, that's such a big question. So I could I could answer it by saying what estoy aquí really means because mm-hmm. when talking about estoy aquí I am here we're talking mm-hmm. about presence we're talking about this type of availability and one of the things that I missed in my childhood was someone to be there for me and ask hey how you doing look. Just literally, how the basics? How are you doing? Like I, you know, just you see, uh, you know, I see you uh, crying at times, or I see you uh, overeating or not eating, or I see that you are not sleeping well. I needed someone that noticed me, that saw me, and someone who said, "I am here." Hence the the title, the the uh, name of of my organization and it's also about not only having that actual presence and someone seeing me as a person but also about curiosity there is something that i didn't have growing up people that were curious providers that were curious in terms of what do you mean when you say suicide? What do you mean when you say you want to die? What is that? What does that mean? Because usually when people think about suicide, they think about death. They think about the outcome. 
but they don't think about, wait, what led you to that? <laughs> to feeling, to saying the word, I want to die in the first place. So, you know, there's uh, a lot of different things that let me, a lot of different ideology, but the, I will say the main one is my experience with the mental health and psychiatric system. So I have been involuntarily hospitalized multiple times when I was a teenager. Uh, why? Because of that sense of coercion when talking about suicide. As soon as you say, I want to die, whoop, liability, things like liability, mandatory reporting come in and providers feel that the sense of, oh, I need to save you. I need to call 911. I, I don't want a lawsuit type of thing. So that's something that I talk about as well in my trainings. But I, because of that fear, fear-based relationship, I have ended up in hospitals, residential programs, in, in, um, solitary confinement, uh, physical holds, interactions with law enforcement. And all of those experiences with the system also have led me to work and to speak out about coercive and carceral systems in mental health. And lastly, I will say, I have taken almost every single suicide prevention training, mainstream training, so the ones that are very popular, mm -hmm. and none of them represent me. None of them represent the Latino, Latinx culture, all of them talk about risk factors, protective factors, and they are not culturally relevant. So I took it upon myself to do that work. Yeah, I could keep talking, but that's, those are multiple things that have led me to, to, to estoy aquí and to who I am today. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, one of the things that I talk about a lot is mental health and Every time I do, I have my abuelas or, <laughs> or an aunt or my mom call me. Um, even if it is just, you know, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. They've, it's, it's not just that it's not talked about, it's that it's very reactive yes. when you talk about mental health, when I talk about my depression, when I talk about my OCD. When I talk about my anxiety and and how it debilitates me, right? It's it's very reactive. It's like, what do we have to do? Did you take your medication today? Did you yeah. rather than proactive mm -hmm. or even you know saying what you're saying today? I I had a full emotional breakdown like three weeks ago, and I I had a meeting with Giovanna. We had just like a regular check in. Yeah. And Yo Giovanna just said, How are you? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not good. Because <laughs> we spent a whole hour, but no one had asked me, How are you? It was all like, You look depressed. You should take your medication. And and I take medication. Medication has saved my life. Um, but it was all about Sanar la situación. Mm -hmm. Then what is like, let's do a root cause analysis. Um, what it was, my, my therapist was on vacation. So I was like, oh, I'm she's out this week. 
Um, yeah. It was all about like, what do we need to do to stop this versus what is it that's really happening? What is, what are the supports that you need? And how, how do you need me to show up? And that's what Giovanna did. Like, how do you need me to show up right now? Do you need to just like talk for an hour and I'm here to support? She sent me a care package too in the mail, which I love. I did my Palo Santo, I did my Sage and all of it. Mi agua florida. She did a whole like abuelita packet, but it was, and I, I, I say this too, because I feel like one of the things that is missing, not just with diversity hiring, but with diversity, equity, and inclusion work in corporations is understanding the need of prioritizing the individual because the individual is part of the system. And I, and I, you know, I've, I've always believed that you need to build an inclusive space before you need to build an inclusive space, then build equitable policies and then focus on diversity. Mm, yeah. Because if the people that are there, the people that are there, and it happens a lot with white spaces and white companies, they go from shitty toxic work culture to let's bring diversity if yeah. the people that are already there are not invested in the work don't feel like they belong mm -hmm. don't have a voice of all the voices by age by everything else why are we jumping into bringing people to not thrive if the environment is not ready to thrive so I want to ask you, what do companies get wrong about diversity, equity, and inclusion work? You know, base, well, first of all, everything. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But as you were talking, I kept thinking about white supremacy norms. I mean, you can bring all the diversity that you want. And so what? The structure itself, the design of the organization itself is white supremacy. So you can literally bring, I'm talking about black immigrant, all, all the, all, throw all the marginalized identities there. And if the white supremacy norms are still encouraged, basically, if they're still a priority, Forget about it. It doesn't matter how diverse this person is. They might still feel tempted to embody those white supremacy norms, making white supremacy still a priority. So mm -hmm. what is the point? So <laughs> I agree with you when you say, what about the foundation? What about, like, like what is it? And when I think about when people... Uh, And when I say people, I mean white people, when they look at, well, let's bring diversity, remembering that white supremacy is about numbers and it's about the checklist and it's about the outcome and not the process. And the bullet point and the, yep. the agenda, the timing. So just that, the whole, the, the thing about bringing diversity, just that 
bringing diversity without the actual foundation, without the actual work, that right there is white supremacy. <laughs> it's like, what? so I think um, that there has to be, if we really want like equitable uh, spaces, we have to talk about what is the actual problem in the first place, which is, again, the structure, the policy, the practices, the system, the culture. Oh, my God, the history of the organization. Mm -hmm. All of those things have to be talked about. There has to be. And, like, um, I laughed when you spoke about the book club because that's another superficial form of, I think, of work let's let's talk about how to be an anti-racist and like have, let's let's have a weekly thing without not without systemic without systemic change so mm -hmm. i don't know i think yeah i'm, I'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> i love it <sighs> okay what are the socio-emotional consequences of hiring diverse without creating an inclusive culture first? Uh, oh my gosh. That, another big, big, big question. Uh, there is a reason why many people of color li leave their jobs. Um, unexpectedly. I, for instance, there's a reason why I got a business now. <laughs> I love the nonprofit, the nonprofit sector. Why? Because I was being exploited. Exploitation is really a norm in nonprofits, specifically for black and brown people. And so many, you know, we say burning burnt out, like we we are burnt out, but I say, no, we're exploited. Like I- Yes, always, let's call it out. I always, I am doing my hardest to reframe my language, to make the system accountable for those, you know, social emotional challenges that we face. Because yeah, we are burnt out, but as soon as we say we are burnt out, we are putting all that responsibility of quote unquote self care. And so, but what about the people who are responsible for that outcome in the first place? What about their policy? What about, like, what about it? So I am starting to reframe a lot of my language to say that, yes, if I feel anxious, exhausted, because I, I, you know, I was working like four, more than 40 hours a week. Of course, I'm going to be, I'm going to be having a breakdown because there are no boundaries. There are many times where boundaries are crossed. That happens, that has happened in almost all of the work, all the jobs I have had where boundaries are crossed, where the workload is extremely high because they don't want to recruit more people because they're there's supposedly no funding or a lack of funding. Uh, the wages are not, again, are not enough. So all of these things lead to uh, obviously burnout, stress, depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. I say white supremacy culture, nonprofit, complex, all of this stuff are definitely risk factors for suicide. 
um, relationships with supervisors, the power dynamics with supervisors, especially if your supervisor is a white person, or especially if you have a supervisor of color who embodies white supremacy values, what that does to, to your psyche, to your mind. I mean, yeah, there, I, I, I believe there's a lot of, you know, social, emotional consequences. I will say trauma. I am traumatized by mm-hmm. all the workplaces that I have been part of. I still think about a lot of the microaggressions. That's another one, the amount, the number of microaggressions that, you know, a black and brown person goes through the, you know, the workplace, the co-switching that goes on. Because again, that white supremacy culture, uh, that co-switching that, 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 that happens because you have to act professional and apparently being black or brown It's not professional in itself. You know, Mm -hmm. I talk a lot with my hands. I'm loud, supposedly. I don't think I'm loud. I also don't think that I talk fast, but apparently I do. And all of those things are seen as inappropriate in the workplace. I have been told to calm down. I have been been accused of being angry when I wasn't. So all of these things, that accumulation of experiences and that combination of experiences lead to that breakdown, to that crisis. And so who is at fault? Again, who is at fault for that exhaustion and that crisis? I don't think all the responsibility should fall on us. I think the system is really the culprit in most of, this, um, men- in most of these mental health challenges related to work in a specific. I, I I know that Giovanna has a question, but I wanted to name that a lot of these, the characteristics of white supremacy culture, I'm going to drop them, um, the original work in the show notes and um, in the notes on YouTube. So people can take a look at them because there's research done around, around these. Um, and some of the ones that you called out and some of the other ones that show up because I, I people really don't understand that people of color can also uphold white supremacy cultures. I want to mention because, a couple because of Because of them. the fact that we're groomed to think that all that is normal. Like right now when Isabel was like, go, like, right, she was stating all these facts and I'm like, holy shit, what kind of environment was I, how did I survive? Like, Mm -hmm. because I thought it was normal, right? I thought that was, when people talk about code switching, like I didn't even realize what that was until someone named it out and I was like, did I, did I do that? I don't think I did, but maybe I did. And then same thing, like when she talks about, you know, people of color in certain, in certain positions, but it's already, they're already washed or groomed to think in certain ways. You're like, oh my God, was I also that person? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so just so many nuggets and stuff that I'm going to like, my God, I'm just like, damn. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are worship of the written word, which we do. Yes. Like we need the receipts, put them on an email. Objectivity. Well, even just like that, right, Paula? Like mm-hmm. you, we had talked about it one time in a in our own discussion. It was just like, how do you write e- like how just to write emails yeah. is so. And I was like, mind blown. Mm-hmm. 
And then that's also when, and I talked about it in another one, like I'll, I'll write an email. I'll look at it over once and I send it like I'm over that perfection perfectionism bullshit that like it has to be perfect there has to be a subject title and a little outline no tengo tiempo i don't yeah. have the time like call me call me yeah. text me send a voice on whatsapp no i'm on whatsapp stop it yeah <laughs> fear up open conflict quantity over quality uh sense of urgency i hate the sense of urgency I, um perfectionism right to the right to comfort that we all need to feel comfort rather than having open conflict and discussions uh paternalism individualism um power hoarding so i'll i'll make sure to also add the research in the show notes so everyone can also take a look at that uh and mm -hmm. use this conversation today as the start of their own personal and professional development because it's needed and anyone including us like I was born and raised in Puerto Rico and I had realizing after I moved how I perpetuated that I was like oh it's you know I'm a brown woman I'm Latina minority here in the U.S. like maybe I don't do I was for all of them all like check 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 um the, and then like the sense of colonialism and the history behind it. So I, I love that. But we have to blame the system because the system was intentionally created for us to, whether we're comfortable or uncomfortable with white supremacy culture, that we fit in very easily. That are our to-go place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that, that. When I think about mental health when i think about these suicide rates i go back to white supremacy and specifically the individualism mm -hmm. characteristic oh yeah many people ask why are the suicide rates so high in white men like why middle-aged men they're high they're high and it's like but why and i'm like why do you think that individualism aspect of no, 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 you do it. You, you are on your own. And if you win, if you have success, you take all the credit because you did it on your own, right? Mm -hmm. It's always about your own, your independence, right? Your, your, and, and, and all the rewards, and you can see that in the workplace, the rewards go to that. Who does the most work? Who doesn't sleep? Who is the most burnt out? Who yeah. doesn't take their breaks? Who Who's doesn't the take extra mile? Who goes above and beyond? All of these things are that idea of individualism, that white supremacy norm that we might not know. Right? I didn't know any of this language before while I was working. I have no clue. I was being part of of, of reinforcing mm -hmm. those those norms until I started to be educated and I had to basically unlearn all these practices uh things like being exactly on time like you ha you have to be like if and if you're done you are a, a terrible person mm -hmm. you're a terrible person insubordination no exactly. you have to be at least 15 minutes early are you kidding yes. me and not get paid for it are you joking yes. like yes and if you, and if you don't yes. show up 15 minutes early 
are you sure you want this job? Are you sure you're committed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not paid for that. So you obviously you sure didn't get paid for what? Let me see an hour and a half of your time per week. Mm-hmm. I just, let's just do the math quickly. That's insane. All, all, all of it. And let's say that the workplace does wellness activities like yoga and meditation and all this stuff. But they don't talk about the actual problem. Which of is why we need the yoga and meditation at work. Why do we need this in the first place? And let's, let's talk about that. But no, let's do all these activities. Let's, let, let's fund them. And let's, for what? If at the end of the day, we're going to go back to the same thing, not only are we going to go back to the same pattern, but we're also going to make you feel guilty if you don't feel better. If you don't feel, if you don't go back to the productivity, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, uh, if you don't feed the benchmark, these benchmarks, we're also going to make you feel like crap about that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> take care of yourself, but like, let's not, let's not look at the real problem. Yeah. And let's make you feel guilty and like crap if you don't end their up reaching this outcome of wellness. So again, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a, it's a whole, it's a whole thing that I think about, I think about it all the time and how to disrupt it. That's the, you know, that's the, and that's part of our work. That is mm-hmm. awesome. How to disrupt all of this. And it's very hard and exhausting to be yeah. honest with you. You've you've sat down in one of my wage negotiation trainings, and one of the things that I teach uh, during that workshop is when you are going into a salary negotiation. So, if you've never heard it, um, one of the things that I teach folks is that you know you get an offer, say thanks, schedule the next time to talk about it. You don't have to go into a negotiation right away. Keep that power, um, but. Then once you want to negotiate your salary, your benefits, work hours, anything around work, expect for folks to show up late, to not show up. Um, If you're interviewing and people don't show up on time, the person that's interviewing you, this is a tactic for leadership to know if you're going to self-advocate. That's bullshit. And that is white supremacy culture. I have to teach it. I want my clients, I want the folks that I work with to be successful and know that these are the tricks that like they're doing this for you to feel like shit. These are power dynamics. This is white supremacy culture. You need to know because once you're like, oh, are they not going to show up? Maybe I don't get the job. Maybe they're going to, you start thinking about everything and, and you've already done all the work for them. <laughs> before they show up. Uh, But it's really to know how far they can push you. It's really to know how much and if you're willing to self advocate. And that's one of the things that I say, like I talk a whole hour. And that's the one place where people are like, what? I'm like, yeah, they teach that to like HR people, they teach that to managers to do that. (laughs) That that's, I've, I've, this has been passed down through generations. Um, but it's a strategy used to keep and maintain power over people. 
Exactly. And I love that you mentioned the word power dynamics. Power. Oh, power. Power is so tempting. So tempting. Mm -hmm. So tempting. Uh, the idea of being promoted. We, we have spoken about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and as an immigrant, as an immigrant, you know, my mom, my family, she always talks about the, you know, this idea we are in the United States, the country of opportunities. And you're supposed to have that nine to five in the office and you're supposed to be promoted to keep going and keep going. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing. We get stuck on the keep going, keep going, keep going. And at the end of the day, are we really like, are we really finding that satisfaction? No, because we have to keep going. And that's also another trap that white supremacy has for specifically black and brown people. So not only are there those tactics for, you know, the HR, for instance, the, the, that tactic that, that you were talking about, but they are other patterns too that are putting our way that distract mm -hmm. us from the actual from the actual problem and then we feel inadequate it goes back to us and we feel like crap about it mm -hmm. when in reality again go i go back to the practices to 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 the practices and policies and all of this stuff it's really messed up it's just a mm -hmm. really it's just really really messed up um so I, and that's one of the reasons i appreciate your work because you bring clarity you you bring that that clarity and things that people haven't they don't know they don't mm -hmm. know they don't know they're they happen behind closed doors by you know be, and they're led by people in power that want to keep that power yes 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 white people that say i don't want to be white because i'm like are you sure you don't want to be white because <laughs> are you do you really wanna also are you ready to quit your job to no Oh, but you said you didn't want to be white. Mm -hmm. So, are you ready to provide space and opportunities for other folks that are not represent? No, no, that's too much. No, no, you but I don't mean that. No, no, no. That's what you meant when you mm -hmm. said you didn't want to be white. Let's be clear. Mm -hmm. Like again, it's just yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so you're you're talking about systems and policies. Uh, course systemic but also at work what are three things companies can do to identify their to identify their blind spots around diversity equity and inclusion um i think that one thing that has to be done is to have very 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 uncomfortable conversations <laughs> with employees especially of course you know, black and brown employees. And um, and I say that because I just had an experience where I did a workshop, just a very, and it was a basic workshop on microaggressions. It wasn't even, you know, it's not like, oh my God, what is simple work. And the feedback I got is that many people felt triggered. Why black and brown people alike? For different reasons. The white people because, oh no, I'm white. And I feel guilty about things. And then the black and brown people because it's like, damn it, 
I go through all this shit. <laughs> and it's traumatizing. It's like re-traumatizing for, for, for them to see the examples and to hear me talk about the, these different experiences. And so it's like, and during the workshop, I was like, we should all feel uncomfortable right now. This is normal. This is what I want as a facilitator. Mm -hmm. That y'all, everyone feels like they're taking a risk, even talking, even saying something. Because that is, I think, one thing that white supremacy says that you shouldn't, you shouldn't do. You should never feel uncomfortable. You should never take risk. You should always be guarded. You should always be polite. You should always be nice. And so going back to the, the question, I think first is to have, to, to, to encourage a culture of, of vulnerability and bravery. Um, I think that's psychological like, safety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's like actually being, um, explicit about not only talking not only like a freaky mission statement no i'm talking about uh actually very intentional spaces very intentional spaces that are actually part of the schedule like it's not even an extra thing like an extra curricular mm. activity i'm talking about this is part of your job like actually going to this talking about this this is part of your job like you need to do this <laughs> to do your work like mm -hmm. um and then i i i also think that um you know we can talk about train of course we can talk about training and, and workshops and and all of that but i believe that if you do a training or workshop or whatever there there has to be some follow-up i i don't think that just providing a training and you know i probably like i provided workshop on microaggressions great what what so what <laughs> like there has to be so something some follow up something, something how are we making sure now that knowledge is being embedded in the day-to-day -day work that we do exactly so that, how do we maintain how do we maintain that i think that's another uh, uh, something key that when I work with organizations, it's, it's often missing. It's very like, mm -hmm. here's a workshop or whatever. And then it's like, okay, like I gave you some tools and are you even using the tools? Um, do you want me to be available to, for instance, uh, if, there, if there are questions afterwards, if there's uh, things that people want to practice, like, do you want me to come in and do that follow up follow up like that's that's another one that's another thing that's that what I, the yoga works too <laughs> like yeah. do it after the workshop after <laughs> like we're being honest and like have talked about emotions and like so we can then feel like be centered but not just because <laughs> Right. There has to be there has to be action after the education. That's yes, that is the that is that that's exactly that is exactly it. One exercise that I do in training that I really love, I call it the community care formula 
and it's about flower grow and die <laughs> which sounds like what the hell are you talking about but basically it's a formula like we can take an issue let's say colorism color you know colorism so what do we, what do we need to plant what seeds do we need to make colorism uh basic to dismantle colorism so that's one example the grow is like okay there are things happening already good things to dismantle colorism but what else do we need what what you know uh is the quality of the water like what is the quality of the water how much how many times are water water in the plant but then there is the die part which are the weeds you know when you plant you plant this you know you are happy with this plant and everything is growing perfectly and then there's some weeds that mm-hmm. come out plants that you don't want you don't want them you you're like what the hell you're ruining everything so why are those things that have to be eliminated completely to dismantle this thing Oh, it's like yeah and it's like awesome formula and are you gonna use it after after this workshop is over and you know i like sticky notes and things like that so it, it, it stays so the, the information stays but what are you gonna do with it so that's always that's always one of my questions follow-up consistency mm-hmm. um, and then let's say the third you know, I always read these mission statements, you know, the mission, vision, and values. Do people, do organizations even review that? Like, do, do, let's go <laughs> I Honestly, I know that, and, and they might bring a consultant to build, like, the mission, values, I mean, but are we really, is this really just a website thing? Is oh. this really, is this really yeah. just a pamphlet? thing mm-hmm. like you know to put on the pamphlet uh are you just choosing uh trendy words very mm-hmm. trendy very you know there are very trending words that suddenly organizations use like racism is a public health crisis <gasps> no really okay so like there are taglines and phrases that become very trendy and i'm like but what does that really mean like are you like are you just copying and pasting statements and so i think looking at that is a a good start and actually talking to employees about it like what Mm -hmm. are you did you read this mission this so-called mission statement like how do you see yourself in this mission vision and value like actually talking about it and again follow up hey remember how we talk about this mission vision about this do you still your do you still see yourself in in this oh i love that getting that feedback and going back you know i i'm just i'm just not a fan of super of superficiality <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> i'm a fan of intentional actions of systemic change of consistency of follow-up you know i don't know yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's my conclusion (laughs) love it so (laughs) after all that we um here and making leader moves we love normalizing failure as part of making our leader moves can you tell us a recent failure and how you kept focused on your goals. 
And no worries, we'll share ours too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, failures. Uh, there are so many. <laughs> so, you know, I I struggle with I struggle with getting out of bed. I do. Doesn't matter how much I sleep or whatever. Why? Because sleep and rest are not the same thing. Let me put this out there. You might sleep your eight hours, ten hours, and if your soul, your spirit is depleted, forget about it. You didn't really rest. That's me. I that I believe that. And for me, um, I could sleep whatever and you know whatever hours and still feel kind of exhaustion and so because of that i can't you know i have to cancel meetings i have to miss out on certain things i might have lose uh lost certain opportunities to network or connect with people because i don't really want to write that email <laughs> uh, and that to me that is considered a failure in a sense because I I am not making the the money that I want to make every month. I am not financially stable, right? And so when I think about failure in a sense, I think about how I am not necessarily being 100% in my work in the way that I want to. So not based on the white supremacy norm of productivity, but on the on my expectation that hey you love the work that you're doing i do yet um i still have some work to do and i have to take responsibility in in the in terms of there's, there's a certain work that i have to do to feel um whole and i have been like pushing it aside and there has to be a time where I confront my demons. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and, 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 and face these fears. I have a lot of fears. I do. I have a lot, lot of fears. And that's where procrastination comes in. I, I keep procrastinating certain things that I know will be life changing. But because of those fears, I keep doing certain things to not to not go there. And so I just have to do a lot of internal work to really be awake in the literal literal sense. Like be awake to write that email, to make those connections, to to do what I love. So in a way, I'm kind of I, I guess the failure is the I'm self-sabotaging, basically. Mm, and yes. I'm self-sabotaging. Yeah, really. And I, I, I am, at least I am aware of it. Um, but it, there, it takes some, uh, a level of bravery for me to, to confront those demons and, and move forward despite of the fear. So I'm not saying that I'm going to get rid of the fear. Like I'm fearful. Uh, nah. Like I'm what, despite of the fear, to move forward, how do I do that? I'm still trying to figure that out. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. Is awesome and very relatable. Right. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say we definitely have 
each and every one of us and our listeners is definitely going to have a spectrum of that. Um, I for sure, I for sure had procrastinate, right? There are times or like a week where I'm just like, I don't, I'm procrastinating, same thing. Like I'm not sending out this email, but why? It's the root of some sort of fear that like you said, I don't want to face. Like not right now. I'm just going to go ahead and binge watch Netflix. And like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> time yeah. can I watch New Girl again? Yeah. apparently seven times Uh. but no but the fact that you are aware of that I think I think that even within yourself is like okay I am aware therefore what are the next steps I can take because now you can't even BS yourself right like that's Mm -hmm. that's almost where I'm at it's like I'm aware so I can't BS myself so que voy a hacer hoy and it has to be like one small thing just one right Mm -hmm. right Um, so in in a summary I forgot to say I'm not hitting my financial benchmarks every month because of the fear of basically fail. Yeah, the fear of failure itself. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, and and just would I be able to handle the work the workload if I am successful? That success might come with a lot of work because remember what does white supremacy say that the mm-hmm. more work you have the more successful That's you, what are. you are. yeah. And so if I fall into that trap because I see it as a trap, right? I don't want that. So, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, it's so complex to me. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's like a cycle. Mm-hmm. I go back and forth. I go back and forth. So yeah, yeah. Thank you for being open and sharing. Giovanna, I'm going to share mine first. Are you fine? Go for it. Yeah. So, um, I'm I'm a recovering perfectionist, and I try to use the systems that help me to be successful, but not overdo it. And I've been pushing back from scheduling every single thing in my day of over analyzing and overcomplicating myself. I also like clinically depressed I will always have been always will be um, but I also suffer from OCD so I get very conscious of when I'm doing something because it's obsessive and then I get a little bit scared and I have you know I go back today I talked all about my OCD with my therapist and realized that I don't have hobbies and I need a hobby um, already already have a plan for that um, I'm going to be creating my clients gifts for the holidays in my Cricut because I've, I got it and never used it. And, but you know, I, because I realized that I was being obsessive with my time and my calendar, I pushed back and didn't realize that I had scheduled work and meetings while my daughter is playing soccer or she has a game. And then I felt like I am the worst mother. Here I go again. You left corporate. You left the nonprofit world to not do that. What are you doing? And then I have to realize that everyone makes mistakes, number one, because we would like to normalize failure to not show people, first to show people that it happens to everyone, but second to for us to realize that we learn from failure. And that's what's beautiful about it. And I had to realize that it's 
you know, what if I'm sick? Am I going to feel horrible because I didn't show up? No. So I made a mistake. I talked to my daughter. She was fine with it. But I went into like, you're a horrible mother. You don't love your child. Like, mm. into that very yeah. dark and horrible space. And I had to like, talk myself through it and talk about it during my therapy session today. Um, but it, it, but it is a, a failure, a failure of, of a practice of something that I done of not being there for my daughter. But I, I, I just got to keep pushing through and next mm -hmm. week is going to be better. Like, that's all I can do. And you already did, right? Like one, you announced it, like me and her, we had our, our weekly meeting yesterday. And she was like, Hey, just FYI, moving forward, we're not going to schedule on Wednesdays and Thursdays because my daughter has soccer. I was like, great. Did you block it out? That way I can, like, you can tell me, but I need to physically see it in calendars. Like, yeah, no, no, that's all done. Okay, cool. So, so, so like what else? And like, it was fun because like, right, like she did this whole like thing in her head. And I feel like all of us do that to a certain extent. And like her, her reasoning was motherhood. But to me, it was like, you've already fixed the problem. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? What's you've the already problem? talked to Sophia. We've already, like, you've already told me and blocked your calendar for the rest of the quarter. Like, get my psyche, I said. Like, we could cry some more. I don't have a problem. <laughs> Always down for a good cry. Yes. I just, I, so no solution, just talking, like, got it, you mm. know? And I think, and then, so coming into my story, like, not not the same way as far as um, motherhood, but I had to do, there's this crash course that I'm taking and I have to finish it in two days. Today's the last day. And yesterday I felt really, really sick, like really sick. I woke up at 6.30 in the morning to do this course. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to lay down on my couch and I'm going to put my laptop on the desk and I'm going to just take notes while I'm laying down. And maybe an hour into it, I was like, why am I laying down? You're not studying hard enough. Like, you need yeah. to get up, grab your highlighters, like, start outlining stuff. Like, stop it. Stop being lazy. Mm. And then I had to, like, literally talk myself out of it and being like, bitch, you're not lazy. Like, you're <laughs> sick. Like, you should be asking for an extension. But instead, you're literally rotting <laughs> and in pain. And still doing this, like that's what I do. And so yeah. I, like, I was like, you know what? Like, you still showed up. You still took your notes. You're gonna go over your notes later on today. Like, not a big deal. You showed up for yourself. So qué más hay que hacer? And I told my therapist today, and she's like, Yeah, but also, like, aren't you your own boss? So who told you that that's the way to study? Like, who told you to sit on a desk was the way to study? Like, you showed up for yourself. You're fine. And I was like, you're right. That is fine. Total meltdown for no reason. But again, I think it's just we all make these things in our heads because of systemic, you know, things. Like, I think that that's a very systemic way of thinking was like very corporate America, very buttoned down. Yeah. Like, I was crying because I was in my PJs yesterday. I never changed. And I was like, why am I crying? <laughs> Stop crying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah is uh, I, I'm asking myself, lately I, I have been asking myself, when, uh, when and where the, did I learn that? And I think that's what I did yesterday, like after I had the meltdown, I was like, where did you learn this? Who taught you this? Who said this was right? You showed up, that's fine. And then I talked to the therapist today and she's like, girl, you're your own boss, so I don't even know, like, 
Again, like so whole thing is what I did to Paulette. She's like, you already resolved your issues. So do you want like are we moving on or do you still want to stay here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yesterday I, I posted this. You it did says Isabel is feeling meh. Me today. Meh. <laughs> Did it. It's like badly drawn and it's like you're did it. In the sense that and people are like, what are you talking about? Um, and I posted that in the sense that yesterday I canceled two meetings. I was like, I, I, I need to go to sleep because I feel like my body is telling me that I need to sleep. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I answer, I am honoring my body. Mm -hmm. And that comes with, as you were talking, Giovanna, I kept thinking about that, how honoring my body then comes with a wave of guilt. Yeah. Oh, I should have done that. I should have done the email. I should have, I, I um, these meetings were important. Da, 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 da. And it's like, but, but, but. My body was telling me that I needed to go to What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and so it comes to, and it goes back, in my case, it goes back to this uh, immigrant identity thing. You have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice because your parents sacrifice everything. And so now you, it's your turn. You have to sacrifice your sleep, your whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You have to sacrifice it. That's very true, yeah. Um, and and it's a process of unlearning and just unlearning is exhausting too. It's just, oh yeah. It's just, and it's like a constant battle for me, like a constant mm -hmm. existential debate, basically. Um, you're not alone, Isabel. No, you're not the only one. We, yeah. we probably, each of us probably go through at least two a day, I would say, at yeah. least on a good day too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I agree with you. It's mm -hmm. basically, it's, and also it doesn't help that time I feel is flying by. Like, I just don't know what's going on. But to me, months are just going by really fast. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's not enough time to do what I, everything that I want to do. And so it's like, it's the it's the, Going back to white supremacy, the, the concept of time, you should never waste time. Time is, you know. And so, I don't know. It's a lot of unlearning. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of unlearning. It is exhausting. And, 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 and we have community, though. We have community. We have people that we can reach out, reach out to that have patience and empathy and to process to process it all so at, at least i am blessed with a lot of community a lot of community members that i can go to and and just talk like not looking for solutions or anything yeah, just, just like just listen to, to me cut this out because if i don't let it out i'm gonna be even more overwhelmed <laughs> so mm -hmm. i just need to talk and I need someone to tell me that I am, quote unquote, not crazy. Because sometimes, sometimes, and I have, 
and I know a lot of black and brown people who feel this too, they feel gaslighted mm-hmm. by, by, you know, in the workplace specifically, they feel gaslighted. Like, am I making this up? Am I being dramatic? Am I being, when in reality, we feel what we feel. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what? We feel what we feel. I might feel emotions a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more than the next person, but is who do we, who, 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 what is our support system is what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Who are the people that we can go to and be our authentic selves? That to me is priceless. I agree. <sighs> yeah. Yes. That I can just, you know, be myself. Show up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah yes just like that i don't yeah. have to pose with that i don't have to be afraid of my progression that i lo- just be who are these people who are these or who, where are these spaces like the ethnic uh-huh. study right the ethnic study i love to go to the co-working space because i feel like i can just be um so yeah i think that's important yeah. I love I that. 100%. So where can people find you, Isabel? I know you're on every platform, but can you just mention <laughs> yeah. them and, and how can they find you? Yeah, so I am in, you know, I'm in Facebook with Estoy Aquí LLC, Twitter, Estoy Aquí LLC, <laughs> Instagram, guess, just guess the user. Estoy aquí LLC on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on LinkedIn is uh, YS Garcia. And uh, for communicating, if you, you know, if anybody is interested on your know, training, a workshop, circle practice or presentation about suicide prevention, mental health, social justice, DEI, etc. You know, you can contact me via email at, you know, um, estoy aquí community at gmail.com. And also, I have my website, which is estoy slash aquí.org. In there, you can see all of the different programs that I offer. I always say, if you don't see something that, you know, catches your attention or you will like, something similar to one of the things I'm providing, we can always consult and I can create something, a workshop, curriculum, whatever, specifically for the organization to fit their needs. So yeah, yeah. That's, Thank you. That's She's me. everywhere, so you will find her. <laughs> Literally everywhere. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, especially now in Springfield, I'm gonna be doing a lot of tabling in different spaces. I am releasing uh, an Irish program called La Cultura Sana, the Culture Cures, where I am going to be providing dialogues to, I, I call them the original counselors. The, I, I believe there are people in our community who are already doing emotional support work, but we don't mm-hmm. necessarily recognize them as such, like hairstylists, barbers, even bartenders. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a ton of people who do who do community care, who do community mm-hmm. mental health. Um, <laughs> and 
but they're not necessarily recognized that way by the system. So I want to reach out to people who are on those who 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 are on those roles and have dialogues and talk about how can we work together to increase that community mental health to to help each other basically. Um, we don't have to depend so much on the mental health psychiatric system. We we also have each other. We have a lot of strengths, cultural strengths that I think we we need to tap in, into, um, especially in the Latino, Latinx, and Black community. And yeah, um, so I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna be promoting those dialogues for hairstylists and barbers next week, right. and doing tabling uh, at barber shops or libraries, hair salons, bars, bodegas, you know, places <laughs> where our people, our people go to. And I just want to get away from the whole reach out type of thing, like reach out, reach out, reach out. But then there are a bunch of barriers to that reach yeah. out. Uh, there's waiting lists. There's uh, no culturally relevant services. So how do we get to 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 our people how do we get there how are we you know present how do i say estoy aquí in in a way that doesn't perpetuate iniquities so yeah that's awesome well it is awesome thank you so much for joining us and having this amazing conversation yeah. Yes. Um, and then we're just going to let our viewers and listeners know to please uh, don't forget to leave us a review. Cinco estrellitas, por favor. Five stars. And uh, Isabel just talked about the importance of community, how she's going to go ahead and start developing her own community with barbershops and hair salons. Um, we would love for you to join our online community, Making Leader Moves on Facebook. And if you have a question, please feel free to send us, um, send them to makingleadermoves at gmail.com. Thank you so much. I love this conversation. We know Isabel is going to return and, and talk more about it. We have for season two a conversation just about mental health. So we're excited to bring you back. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I definitely uh, look forward to to do this again. I love it. So thank awesome. you so much. Awesome. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.